Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Kings Cast with Eric and Ryan. This is your weekly Sacramento Kings podcast for Kings fans by Kings fans. As always, this episode is brought to you by Ziggy's Smoke Shop. You can follow Ziggy's on Instagram at ziggies.stockton. They have locations in Stockton and Tracy. We are coming off of an unfortunate, unforeseen break where we haven't done an episode in a couple weeks, but we're back today and we're really excited to be back on i couldn't wait to get back on here and talk about the kings if you're looking for any of our episodes you can always find those streaming on the believe podcast network or wherever you get your podcast bringing in my coast today as always ryan was good what is going on everybody it has been a fucking minute since we hopped on here uh, you know, some unfortunate things happened in the last few weeks, a uh, little family emergency stuff. Um, not an excuse, not an excuse not to, you know, really get these, these episodes out, but it is an excuse. Um, you know, so just excited, like you said, to be back, man. Uh, we are recording what's tonight, Friday, game six, Lakers Warriors is currently on right now, looking like the Lakers are going to take it. Uh, you know, I think they're up like 17 in the third. Never say never. But uh, you know, looking looking like that that Warriors dynasty is coming to a close. I'd be surprised um, if they just don't completely reshake the uh, the roster over there. Uh, they got a big player option coming with Draymond. Clay is looking like those injuries uh, really really just uh, changed the way he is forever, uh, unfortunately. And then Jordan Poole's just a real sack of shit, according to social media. <laughs> Dude, his stat line earlier. I was drinking beers watching. He had in 11 minutes, he had zero points, three fouls, and two turnovers. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that roster is just kind of, you know, I, I think that roster has peaked and, uh, you know, probably, probably time for a, for a remake or, you know, so with all yeah. that being said, you know, playoffs are in the midst and uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah. I guess peak Pico Warriors is beating, beating the Kings this season. So, yeah, man, it's kind of a bummer. We, we didn't get the opportunity to come on because, um, it's like crazy. We 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 do the podcast, we lead up to playoffs, we're in it, and then um we, you know, to not come on after going into game seven after game seven was kind of a bummer. But you know, I, I don't know. I thought I th- I think I was talking about it and and we definitely have a lot to talk about. I don't want to like definitely don't want to um you know like do a series breakdown because I think we kind of missed the boat on that, but I still think there's a lot to add. I think we have we have some stuff to add on there. Um Kingsland's been going crazy, the takes are going crazy. Um, you know, every, everybody's kind of looking to see what's going to happen in the offseason. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll log on. But uh, before we get to anything, Ryan, I got to get to that bet online. And, you know, we got it coming. Uh, if you're not betting the playoffs, you definitely should. 
BetOnline.ag is your number one source for all of your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's pro basketball playoffs. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters this season as we have you covered for all of your sports wagering needs. Basketball, MLB, NHL hockey, right to UFC and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options in your favorite casino and card games that you can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get into action. Be sure to use the promo code believe to receive that 50% welcome bonus bet online where the game starts. Uh, bang right there, man. I haven't done much betting this week. I actually kind of got a little bit, um, uh, a little bit bummed out, man. Uh, I had a bad, <laughs> had a bad couple weeks where I just kind of went too aggressive and I told myself I need to sit out. Uh, so it's been a minute since I bet. Yeah, me as well. Um, you know, unfortunately, like we said, some some family emergency stuff going on. So um, I just didn't even bet at all last week. I uh, just was, you know, you don't really think about stuff like that. And then this week, I placed a bet last night. And uh, who was it? The uh, who who lost last night? Why am I blanking? Oh my goodness, uh, Phoenix. Oh yes, yes, Phoenix. Phoenix got obliterated and ruined my fucking teaser. So had that. Uh, you were talking about Kingsland real quick and how how posts are popping. Sorry, I you were reading the ad and it just popped up on my head. But uh, Kingsland, dude, I looked earlier. It's like five and a half thousand uh, uh, followers following the page, man, and communicating and collaborating on ideas and stuff. So really freaking cool, man. I, it kind of took me back to when we started this whole thing a few years ago. Uh, you know, and how much everything's grown. So it, it's the last, what have we been doing this, Eric? Three years coming up on four years or something. Uh, yeah, we've, so grown, like that, we've we've that, grown yeah. tremendously. We've done almost 150 episodes and uh, it's just really cool. You know, we started in the beginning, you know, and in and, and, and no way, shape or form, are we big? Are we, you know, famous in the podcasting world for the NBA and stuff? But I would have never imagined um, that we would grow this much um, you know, we were getting three listens uh, on Spotify and it was me, you and our, and our guy say, Hey, Doug, that were the listeners, you know, at first. And now, you know, we're getting uh, a ton of listeners and we're getting a bunch of collaboration on, on the Kingsland Facebook page. So it's just kind of really cool. I, I checked that out for the first time in a while, the followers and, uh, really impressive. And I, I'm, I'm actually really, really proud of the way, uh, things have turned out. Well, a lot of credit for sure goes to KC. Hundred percent, and and Cap City, and then uh, I mean, for us, we just like to post content and interact, and we've helped where we could. But but I, I give a lot of credit for Casey for building that up, and and then we've built out like a cool moderator team now too, where a lot of uh got people who listen to the show actually, which is cool. People who listen to the show be, jumped in on the moderating team, and and I know that. They've helped to grow it, especially in the playoffs. Some of the big stuff from there, though, is that the group, you know, that's the one thing is like the group could be in the, at 10,000 and that's no joke. But I know that that the, the teams try to be selective about who comes in the group. And it was really difficult through the playoffs. A lot of trolls coming in. Um, but, you know, it, it's one of those quality over quantity things. But it for sure has become the number one group on Facebook. It's it's kind of it's I, I honestly think it's uh you know, no pun intended if it's a pun, but it's like uh, the biggest, you know, Kingsland is is recognized out there in Kingsland. You know, I talk about that. Uh, 
I came up with the term Kingsland, right, on the podcast like year one. It was it was a term I came up with to just describe, uh, you know, the the ever the the social media, the the and the media and the conversations surrounding the Kings it was like Kingsland. You know, it was like a term I came up with. So it's kind of interesting to see like a term I came up with on the podcast when we first started blow up to now be a big group that's recognized i think by everybody so yeah good stuff there we got to get kc on and a couple of the other folks on in the off season so that we can um share some takes and bring some of the, the the facebook group back to the pod that's always a good one all right i got a player for you ryan before we get going and we get taken away with the episode so this is where ryan and i come on and i give him a random player from our childhood and based on their bio we'll see if ryan can get the player breaking this conversation with your player today ryan six foot ten 289 pounds that's what he was listed at drafted 2004 round one 15th overall by the celtics power forward and center played for the celtics from 04 to 07 from 07 to 10, it was the Timberwolves. 10 to 13, Utah Jazz. 13 to 16, it was the Bobcats. And then 16 to 18, the Pacers. All NBA 13, 2014. Career averages 15 points and eight rebounds. Who is your player? Do you got a guess? Damn it. Oh, I thought this was going to be really easy for you, actually. Yeah. I thought I was like, kind of like, eh, I'm, you know. Yeah. Throw him a bone, I guess. But oh, that's messed up. I'm a little buzzed right now. Uh, say, say the, say it again. Say it again. Sorry. All right. Say, say, so say the, say the teams in order, please. Oh four to oh seven Celtics. Oh seven to ten Timberwolves. Ten to thirteen Jazz. Thirteen to sixteen. It was the Bobcats, and then he finished his career in sixteen to eighteen with the Pacers. God damn it, dude. Oh man, this is going to be so obvious. I'm going to be so embarrassed after this. It, nobody's coming to my mind right now. Like, uh, uh, nobody's coming to my head. Dude, really? Uh, you don't know Al Jefferson? <laughs> yeah, that's bad. That's bad. That's a bad one, bro. You're usually that's pretty good, one. man. We might that's have to retire one. the that's, game. That's a, that's a really obvious. Oh, that's bad. Oh, that is bad. I always liked Al Jefferson. I always thought he was one of the more underrated players in that era. I just watched a TikTok on Al Jefferson like maybe four days ago about his low post scoring, dude. Oh, that is so bad. That's yeah, the worst well, one yet. That's the worst one that I've missed by far. It's kind of embarrassing. Honestly, I might retire the game because people think we don't know what we're talking about. I mean, the guy had multiple 20 point, uh, you know, season averages. But anyway, all right, we'll move on. Congrats to me for another dub, Brian. The free throw shooting average is going down. I used to say, you're like the Steph Curry or the Steve Nash of, I'm, of free, I'm still at 90%. Of free throw shooting, you know. But I would say now, you're the you're the Shack. You're the Shack. Oh please! Oh I'm please! Just... <laughs> I'm still I'm still well above ninety percent. I don't even like that crap. <laughs> you're dude. the Shack. You're the Ben Wallace, the Tim Duncan of free throw shooting, dude. There you uh, in this was, game. Was Tim Duncan really that bad at free throw shooting? Tim he Duncan was, was Tim Duncan 70, was a bad. No, he's 70%? bad. Percent. Was he? No. Yeah, I, I, you know, I remember his his knees. I just remember his knees were always pointed in. He was like pigeon toed when he was shooting free throws and that hella high ass release. Like it was all wrists, no legs. It had like a stretched out, uh, extended release. I'm gonna pull up his free throw averages just to to prove it. Up. Prove it. He has three point percentage. I mean, yes, sixty nine percent career. Yeah, seventy. But, so yeah, yeah. But for uh, think about it, for a guy who is as money mid range, it just. You know that that touch. You would think he would shoot a little bit better. Um, I actually went back not long ago and watched the. I think it was oh 
five Pistons um and Spurs. It was it was the uh the where Robert Ori hit that shot off the inbound and it was a real pivotal game. And and in watching that, Tim Duncan missed a several free throws down the stretch. So it's a, I guess that just kind of went through my brain. See, that's that's where Ryan and I are at, where we just spend time watching old games and stuff, just watching players and stuff. But um, anyway, I, you got something? Yeah, you know what hit me the other day? I'm at a stoplight, and uh, I was I was thinking about, you know, I used to be so good at remembering dates and years and stuff. When we were kids, you know, we used to play those games, the trivia games, pretty much what we do on here to open up the podcast. And uh I started realizing like, holy shit, man, I can't remember a lot of stuff now. Um, like I, you just brought up the, the Robert Ori inbounds. I don't recall that at all. And, and, and I'm, you know, used to pride myself on remembering key moments and stuff like that. I have no recollection of that at all at like completely at all, but you were always a big Ben Wallace fan. So I'm sure that's why you, you remember that, but I have no recollection of that game at all. Well, I remember that game particularly. Obviously, I really like that Pistons team, and um, but you know that was NBA Finals. I mean, so everyone watched just... it. it. It was it. You know why? I okay. I always remember that too, though, because um, I actually sent in a back in the day. You know, we didn't have the 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 cable television at that time, and I remember after that game, I uh got a text message read on the air. It was JT the Brick, Fox Sports Radio at the time. And JT the Brick read my text message because um, I said, it, it, I want to say it was almost exactly like this. Okay. It was like, uh, you know, basically co- cover Robert Ori, you know, don't leave Robert Ori wide open a three in a, in a big game, signed like Kings fans everywhere. I think I said that. And it got right on the air. So I always remember that just from that moment. But uh, uh, yeah, again, again, no recollection of this man. And me and you shared a room for 18 years of our lives, dude. I have no, I did not know that JTU the brick read your text message online. Wow. That's, you know, well, old, man. well, you know, they say when you have a lot of trauma, Ryan, you block out <laughs> things in your brain. So uh, must have been just me beating your ass your whole life. You just mm. really try to block out those times in the room. You know, that's when why you're growing up. That's that's why I cope with the uh, you know I just cope with all this alcohol that I drink on the podcast. Alcohol and gambling and nicotine <laughs> yeah. and just yeah. you know whatever whatever else you can find. Um, yeah, well, you know, on the whole memory thing, though, I'll add this is that uh, I, I I feel the same way. I used to be so money. I knew everything. Um, but you know, the years just start to, they do, it's like, they do start they stack to up. stack up. And so I notice it now, like I manage, uh, a lot of staff and, um, so we have some younger ones that are like in their early twenties and, and to them, like, you know, 2014, that was like their childhood, right? I'm like, dude, 2014. Okay. I basically have to catalog, um, essentially like 25 years of basketball memory, in that time period, it's hard to remember every single year, you know, but when you're a kid, you only had a catalog a couple of years and it was very recent. The players were still active. You could refer on this. So that's why the game like this is fun, though. You know, as people get older, they forget about these types of players. And that's what happens. The Al Jefferson's of the world, these these signature plays in NBA. And that's why I enjoy going back and, and watching the games. You and I always have done this, though. And it's it's amazing, actually, to me, I think back now, not not in the like a like in an ego way, but it's amazing to me that we were so knowledgeable about stuff because we didn't have cable for a large part of our childhood. 
yet we knew in uh, uh, all of the classic stuff. And I think a lot of it was that, you know, you go to a friend's house, though, so I guess you're still watching the cable. They had the NBA classics where they would do the they would do the uh, like mini mini documentaries and stuff. I'd read the books. Um, you're just kind of seeing things and, and watching back. So, um, you know, it, it's kind of in, in a way that we had to follow the NBA and the NBA passed through that kind of media. That's kind of what the NBA is now for kids though, dude, they're just all over YouTube watching everything all over. So this is kind of evolving the way, um, but let's talk about the Kings just because it's been a couple weeks and I really can't wait to get on here and talk about the Kings, right? So um, I think that where, where to start, I mean, really we, we came on, we, we did several podcasts leading up to the, the playoffs. And then we did a couple once the playoffs started um, and, and I want to say the last time we recorded was really in the middle of the series where the Kings were going back to um, San Francisco and they were down two Oh, and I think you, I, I was, I'll, I'll let you, you know, take, take it because you were very like, uh, I, I should say like on this line with the Kings kind of, you had your bit of doubt going into them, going into the, into the, uh, the, the playoffs and then even when they were up 2-0 you still kind of threw that that caution out there and honestly I think what you saw happening ended up happening but um I don't know if you wanted to if that's where you wanted to break it in but I'll let you go for it and talk about what you want to talk about to break in the Kings talk yeah let's let's just tell this briefly it's been a few weeks since since this happened but my whole take on Sacramento was just kind of the lack of uh the lack of size the lack of size and the lack of, you know, a legitimate second score. You know, if, you know, Sacramento relied too much on Malik Monk coming off the bench to drop 25 for them to win. Um, my stance really was I didn't know if Sabonis was going to be able to score. I didn't know if they had the size to compete with a Memphis or excuse me. Yeah, Memphis, uh, a Phoenix, the Lakers um, inside, you know, Sabonis is he's tough, right? He rebounds, he scores a little bit, but he's extremely limited on the defensive end. And it was really obvious on the offensive end, uh, how limited he was. How many times was that guy open 15 feet out and he didn't take the jumper? You know, it was the confidence that was just kind of uh, taken away from him that, you know, in that, in that, that, uh, that golden state series, uh, looking back now, a couple weeks removed and, you know, emotions have died down. Uh, everything came true from what I was saying, except I thought Golden State would win in six, not seven. Sacramento, you know, really got bailed out that one game with Malik, Malik Monk going off. Um, but outside of De'Aaron Fox, there was no legitimate true store night, score night in and night out. Um, you know, Keegan Murray disappeared. Okay. Kevin Herter disappeared. Harrison Barnes, holy shit. You talk about completely just. Uh, shitting the bed, scoring wise, rebounding, assisting. Um, you know, and, and I, I hear a lot of stuff about Harrison Barnes about, oh, he's such a complete player. He does the little things. I don't. I didn't see it that way going into the series. I didn't see Harrison Barnes as really that X factor defensively or rebounding and assisting. And um, you know, he he really shit the bed. You know, and um, you know, if it wasn't for Darren. Fox, that's a sweep series. You know what I mean? Like it's it's not even close. If De'Aaron Fox doesn't play out of his mind like he did, they lose in probably four, maybe five. So uh, going in, you know, overall going into this into the series, I really thought that um, the lack of size and their defensive ability 
is something that they were going to struggle with. And, and it proved to be true. Um, you know, Kavon Looney looked like a goddamn superstar out there. At the deadline, me and you came on here and we said Sacramento needs to get a backup. They need to get back a big man. They need to get bigger. They need to get a little tougher inside. And they didn't do that. And that was, you know, at the end of the day, that was the thing that really cost them. Rebounding, toughness. You know, they got punked, dude. They they legitimately got punked and guys couldn't even get on the court because of their their size and their lack of defense. I was the the series was awesome though. Uh, I, I was I want I at least want to say that it was it was really awesome, and not just from the fact that it was the Kings getting in. It was just like as I've been watching all, all the series uh, that have taken place since, and then we're going at the same time, and just that was just a great NBA NBA series. And I've talked to a lot of people that say the same thing. So that 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 was fun. What was what was cool about it too though is is really it was a really interesting. Um, kind of like this it, it was it, you know not to be cheesy and make the analogy but people people make analogies about about the, about like boxing and fighting it was very much like every other every game was like a counter um uh you know it, it, it was like a it was like a counter punch and, and it was it was a counter punch counter punch with like the changing of the of the lineups from both teams it was like this game you know you know, the Warriors did this. And so the Sacramento Kings did this. And then the next game they went out and, and it was really interesting how that played out. Like it started off with Wiggins, not in the lineup. And then he started not the starting lineup. Then he gets in the starting lineup. Draymond obviously got um, kicked out of a game and, and, and whatnot. And, but then he came back and was on the bench. And then the Kings went really weird where they early in the series, they played a lot of, of land and they, they kind of went in that direction and then towards the end of the series, they went small and played Terrence Davis, who didn't play. So that was it was interesting seeing the the coaching and and the uh, I guess the approach in that sense uh, back and forth that made this series really interesting. The game changer for for the series was really when Golden State would go Kavon Looney, Andrew Wiggins at the four, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, and Steph Curry. They'd mix in Divincenzo and Gary Payton in there. But for Sacramento, they just couldn't match up. Keegan Murray can't guard Andrew Wiggins, you know. So it was really forcing Sacramento to kind of go HB uh, hurt. Or you said Terrence Davis would get in there, Monk and Fox, and it was really throwing off the rotations. Um, that's really why Len in those later games didn't get any run because Golden State said, you know what, fuck this, we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to go smaller. And we're going to force these guys to play some defense and they're not going to be able to match up. Andrew Wiggins was 100% the X factor in that series. This is why at the at the All-Star break and at the trade deadline, me and you were extremely adamant about, hey man, you got to go get a wing, a Josh Hart, a Jared Vanderbilt. Because at some point, you're going to need that versatility of lineups in the playoffs. Teams are going to find your weakness. And Golden State did that with Andrew Wiggins. You know, he might not have averaged 30 points per game, but he hit some timely shots. His defense, he had like four blocks in game one, even though they lost that game. Golden State lost that game. Um, it, it was an X factor, man. The versatility of lineups. And then, you know, I kind of put a lot of this on Sabonis. You just can't get bitched by Kev Kevon Looney, dude. That just can't happen. That guy had 20 rebounds, what, twice in a series? He's getting the shit kicked out of him by, by Anthony Davis right now in this series that the Lakers are going to win in six, possibly. Um, you know, Sabonis just looked a little overwhelmed and Sabonis is a very good player, but he's limited and, uh, you know, it showed that defensive end. He just wasn't able to hold up and, 
you know, kudos to Golden State for having that versatility of lineups and finding the the final weakness and throwing that last blow onto Sacramento. But uh, you know, one thing I do want to I do want to talk about real quick is is De'Aaron Fox and um, how fucking legit, how legit was that playoff series for seven games with the broken finger or whatever it was uh, for him to really just put the team on his back scoring wise um, and carry that team to seven games. Uh, really a true, true coming out party to the rest of the NBA. And me and you have been on that for two, three years now, but um, you know, he really put himself on the map as one of the upper echelon players in the NBA. And it, it shows right just yesterday, the, the all NBA third team got announced and, and he's on there along with Sabonis. So um, there is some positives to take out the, to take out of the series. Um, Darren Fox went toe to toe for six games with Steph Curry. And at the end of the day, the greatest point guard, in my opinion of all time, um, just really flexed his muscles and dropped 50. Yeah, that was, that was nuts. I, I, we can talk about the game seven stuff, but like on the matchups that I was, where, what I was saying was like, um, yeah, it was really just Go- Golden State just had one more, one more move more. Yep. Just, yep. you know, one more move more. I think on a, if, if you look at a straight talent, uh, a talent thing, I think maybe talent's not the right word, but that, but it really kind of maybe it is. I don't know. Athleticism. I mean, that was the, that was the key early in the series was this just Sacramento was just way more athletic. It looked like after two games, Golden State wasn't going to be able to really just, you know, physically hang with them. But they started making the, like you said, they made those moves. They were to get they they were they were lucky and able to get Wiggins in the lineup. And that did change a lot of things. Um, and then, like I said, they just they just had one more. They just had one more move right there at the end. And honestly, through six and a half. Um, six, you know, wait, not six and a half, but see, yeah, six and a half games, right? Because the Kings led at halftime. They looked, they, they technically were better. And then Steph Curry, he was, the, I think, the greatest point guard of all time. You know, I, I, I just, just did what, just, just went off, put the team on his fucking back, and did what, he, and what are you gonna do? You know, what are you gonna do? Um, I'll push back on you though with, with, with the, with this bonus thing because I, 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 I've been, not that I don't, I entirely disagree with the take, but I'm more of an apology. I've been kind of a Sabonis apologist through the playoffs. That guy got really beat. He got beat up, man. And that's, you know what? That's a consequence of when he's the only guy that is worth, a, worth a shit down low. Um, you know, and it, it kind of, what do you expect kind of thing? He got beat up physically on both sides. He was relied on to handle the ball. He's relied on to score. He still rebound rebounded right but then you were going to it's Kevon Looney who's who's big and bigger and his only job was just to be aggressive on the boards and obviously Draymond too but and then the foul there was you you talked about this though you had been saying this all the second half of the season right it was about Sabonis is uh getting in it's not Sabonis is Sabonis getting into foul trouble like that's something you pointed out you pointed out going into the series it was kind of a factor too where you you know he couldn't be ultra aggressive at times because of that so I don't know. I don't blame him entirely. I blame what I do blame is I blame the Kings for, like you're saying, not making the moves necessary uh, going into the season and at the deadline to get the front court. Everybody knew it was a fucking problem. We like everybody in Kingsland knew it was it was the biggest talking point, right? So the fact they didn't address it and then it kind of showed. That's where I put the blame and I become an apologist because of it. But at the end of the day, you're all NBA third team and you're you. I, I I understand. Okay, I I get it. He was getting the shit beat out of him. He had that black eye in Game Seven. He got hit in the face. I think it was Game Six. It's all fine and dandy. Okay, but at the end of the day, when you're an All Star and you're an All NBA type of player, 
you have to show up. It doesn't matter. I don't care. This is that was my whole thing about the playoffs. And I, I told you going into it, you know, teams shrink their lineups, right? They go from 10, 11 guys in the rotation, maybe even 12 sometimes to seven or eight. And, you know, it is what it is. You're going to get beat up. It's the playoffs. You have to show up. You have to. And I, I really, you know, it's really obvious. Like, look at the Lakers right now. They don't give a fuck about the regular season. You know, teams don't care about the regular season. I was very adamant about wait till these guys get in the playoffs and they're playing 40 minutes a night, 45 minutes a night. You know, you have to show up. Everybody's beat up, right? But at the end of the day, when you're an all NBA third, third team player, you have to show up in the playoffs and you have to put up the numbers and you have to take care of the lesser talent. Kavon Looney is not as talented as Sabonis is. And you're making an excuse for him or apologizing for the, you know, well, Kavon Looney's only job was to rebound. It doesn't fucking matter. DeMontis Sabonis led the NBA in rebounding. And you let Kavon Looney twice get 20 plus rebounds in a series. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. I don't give a shit if you were beat up. I don't care. You cannot let Kavon Looney crash the offensive boards like he did and have two 20 rebound games in a fucking series. It's unacceptable, man. You know, game seven, it is what it is. Steph Curry dropped 30 points in the second half. It is what it is. I can see that. But there was a lot of times where Sabonis could have took advantage of Kavon Looney. And that was, you know, you know, game seven, yeah, great. Steph Curry goes off. But Andrew Wiggins and Kavon Looney were really the game changers, games one through six, and what kept Golden State afloat. They were the X factors. And, you know, they Sacramento just didn't have guys to match up. They, they just didn't have it. And, uh, you know, if you know, I don't want to get into the offseason, but Sacramento has to address that, or it's going to be the same thing. It's going to be the same thing year in and year out until you address that. Well, that's I don't know what uh, that's what I said. I kind of pushed back. What, what more do you want from the guy? I mean, I, I really don't know what more you want. Like, the guy's the only he's and has been all season, he's the only player worth a shit to play inside at all. There's nobody else. Uh, there, there really is nobody else. So for me, I mean, it, I blame. I blame the roster building is what I blame. They had no opportunity to spell the guy at all. And then he got into foul trouble too. Was it game? It was game six. Did he, you know, towards the end of the game, did he foul out? I can't remember because uh, Trey Lyles, I mean, you have Trey Lyles in there, which everyone loves Trey Lyles now, which I, I've always liked Trey Lyles. You've always liked Trey Lyles. Uh, but, you know, he he's more of a, he's more of a perimeter kind of, guy than than compared to Sabonis. So I, I I blame that. I blame that. And, and and you know what's crazy? So with all that to without picking on every single player, because I at the end of the day it was such a close series that it it was such a close series and the Kings really did such a great job in the series that it took the best point guard of all time to basically have one of the greatest game sevens in the history of the NBA to beat them. Um and you know, not not that there's moral victories, but it, it's not like it was that far off. You know, it's, it's not like it was like this this huge thing that they need to do. It, it was just it was honestly that through six and a half. That's what my takeaway for me. It's I mean, I blame you. You already you already said Harrison Barnes. So that's, I, I blame Harrison Barnes a lot. And I think that as the weeks go on, he's going to be the guy we you and I've had like this up and down thing with Harrison Barnes on Kang's cast for a long time. There's times where we were over him. Then there, then there was times throughout the season where kind of like, you know what, maybe we were wrong, but man, you know, here's what I'll say. And you kind of said it and I'm going to kind of say it in, in my way, Ryan, is that 
The thing about Harrison Barnes that everybody always said, that everybody always loved, was that he he was he was like a he was consistent. Like he made every, it was never like a boom potential kind of thing, but he was always really consistent and did every like everything you know good enough. But in this series, it was below average. And when you're when you're that guy who's counted on just to meet your average and you play well below average, I mean that's kind of a make or break thing here. I mean to me, so uh, he's my. Uh, you know, my my scapegoat kind of of, of of for the Kings is he's number one for me if I'm blaming anybody. But I don't know. I don't really want to blame. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm not trying to blame at this point because, like I said, the series was so great and it came down to really an amazing performance at the end of the day. If if you were to ask me, you know, nine months ago, if you know Sacramento's this position, right, I'd be happy. I, I would have said yes. But then you get there and you see that there's talent on the roster. And you see that it's like, holy shit, they can do this. And then they come up short. It is disheartening. You know, I, I have the stats up here right here. In a game seven, come on, Looney, 21 fucking rebounds. Sabonis, eight. You know, Harrison Barnes, check this out. Harrison Barnes, 14 minutes in a game seven. 14 fucking minutes. Four points, zero rebounds, zero assists, over two from three, one for four shooting. That is absolutely atrocious. It, it, it is so bad. That is so bad from your guy who everybody's, oh, he plays every game. He's so consistent. That is so fucking bad that he couldn't even be on the court. He played 14 freaking minutes, dude. That, that's just bad, you know? And um, at the end of the day, I think Sacramento is the more talented team. Golden State just has the better player, you know? Um, one of my big one of my big things coming into the playoffs was looking at how the how the West was stacked up. I was very adamant about no matter who Sacramento played, they wouldn't have the best player in the series. And in the playoffs, that makes a difference. And you guys saw that in a game seven. It doesn't matter if you're playing the Lakers. You know, Sacramento has the third best player in the series. You know, if they're playing the Nuggets, Sacramento has the second best player. Golden State, Sacramento has the be- best, uh, the second best player. You know, there was a lot of just Phoenix. They would have had the third best player. That was the whole thing is like, I don't know if there's enough top tier talent to carry them over. You know, kind of similar. I compared them to the Utah Jazz a few years ago. Really good regular season team. But at the end of the day, they were a collective, you know, it was a collective group kind of thing uh, to get them to that one seed that they had. And when they got to the playoffs, they got obliterated because they just didn't have that top tier talent because in the playoffs, again, teams shrink the lineup and it comes down to the better players are going to play 40 minutes, seven or eight of them. And that is it. Outside of that, you're not seeing the court, you know, um, you know, here's a name for you guys, somebody who played a lot, a lot of minutes and might have even started a game or two in the regular season after the all-star break. Kessler Edwards, did that guy play a minute in the playoffs? He played, uh, I mean, he did, but it, it was like, did he play a meaningful, did he, did he no. play a meaningful minute? And that was where I was coming out with Sacramento was I didn't believe there was enough top tier talent to get them over the edge against these playoff teams in the West. And, um, unfortunately I was right. I, I, I hate that I was right. There was a, there was a day or two during the series where I was like, fuck, am I wrong? Hell yes. I could be wrong. Please be wrong. Please be wrong. And at the end of the day, you know, um, you know, my take was right and it is what it is. And Sacramento's gonna have to improve on that. But, um, you know, I look at a game seven and a guy like Harrison Barnes, like you said, you're putting the blame on him and I'm, I'm right there with you, uh, for the most part. 4.0 rebounds and zero assists. That's fucking atrocious, dude, for a guy that makes the money that he does. 
it's um well it's, it, that's what's going to be difficult is going to the off season is that you, I think what you're going to see are two camps you're going to see people who recognize the playoff uh need to have like more of a top tier talent a top tier player um because like you said it comes it, versus the collective uh, right and the the collective thing it's weird because it's what you do need to get into uh, the playoffs, it's what you do need to ha- put to sustain and put together a really good season. But then when you get there, it's really difficult to count on guys like the Herders, the rookie uh, Murray, the Harrison Barnes, who's kind of the average player. Because then, and then you're also then looking to to your bench to kind of produce in Malik Monk, which Malik Monk fucking stepped up and did it, but. You know, that's not a good recipe to count on, in my opinion. So that's good. I think that's going to be the two camps is they're going to see the keep it together and roll with it versus maybe be an opportunistic team with your lineup and doing that. So we'll see where that goes. Um, Something I wanted to say, though, that you were going in on that, and it was about game seven and how you said that if at the beginning of the season you had given uh been given this kind of outcome, how would you feel? And. You know, I wanted to talk about this because I really don't like this sports take and I don't like when people do this where you're not allowed to criticize because you should be grateful kind of thing. Um, And I believe that, you know, well, okay, a couple of years ago when the Kings uh, had the 39 wins and they didn't make it, a lot of people were around the Kingsland online were like cheering and being all cheery and shit. And I remember saying, like, you know, what are we cheering for? The Kings missed the playoffs again. And honestly, it's going to be a tough couple of years still. And everyone's like, you know, they weren't projected to be this good. So therefore, you should be happy. Like, what the fuck? Like, no, they they weren't projected to be this good. But it was I remember that season. They were better than they were projected to be. And then they went and got aggressive at the deadline and got Barnes. And then they had a terrible finish to the season. So it's like at that point, I'm like, no, I'm going to reassess my fucking take because of what they showed me over the first half of the season. And I think it's okay to do that in this case too, Ryan, where, yeah, if you would have given me this outcome at the beginning of the year, I would have been ecstatic. But once I actually saw what they were capable of and went through a full season with them, the fact that I saw them up two games to nothing. Okay. And then the fact that I see that they go and have a game seven at the golden one center. And then they, they fucking get, they don't just lose. They get destroyed. They let a guy drop 50. They let a guy get 20 rebounds. I'm allowed to reassess my take and be, and be a bit disappointed. I don't need to just be like, just eat a bunch of grateful shit here and be grateful about the thing too. And I think that's something that I battled with immediately after was like, well, you know, no, at the same time, like it was a missed opportunity, dude. It really was a missed opportunity. And I'm allowed to, and you're allowed to fucking say that and pick on the reasons why it was missed opportunity, don't you think? Hundred um, percent, definitely missed opportunity. Changing, changing gears just a little bit. I want to update, you know, um, to kind of validate what we've been talking about. You know, Lakers are up 23 points with a minute left. Uh, you know, it comes down in the playoffs. It really comes down to the best players are going to be on the court, and the best players have to produce. Anthony Davis and LeBron James and Steph Curry, the three best players in the series. Steph Curry tonight, 32 points. Nobody else on his team besides Dante DiVincenzo is in double figures. LeBron James, nearly nearly 30-point triple-double. Anthony Davis, 17 points, 20 rebounds. That was my whole thing coming to the playoffs, is the players are going to show up. The best players on the court 
the best players on the teams are going are going to show up, and that's what's important. And having you know, a, a, yeah, cool, you're 10, 11 deep, that's great. But in the playoffs, uh, you know, LeBron James played forty three minutes tonight. Who who on Sacramento was going to show up for forty three minutes tonight and guard arguably the best player of all time? That was kind of my my take coming in, and um, you know, it really for people you know who don't watch all, all the NBA, they don't see that. Um, they don't see that kind of stuff. They don't watch the playoffs too much. And, um, you know, it's really just the playoffs are really about who has the best players on the court, who's going to play 40 minutes and, and talent always wins in the NBA playoffs. So kind of just validates the point, but uh, it looks like Golden State is done, man. And who knows what's going to happen there, man? That's that's crazy. End of an era. I really, yeah. truly believe that. On your take, though, I was watching the game the other day, and Jalen Brunson played 48 minutes. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it's probably because it's, it's Thibodeau, but like, yeah, he played 48 minutes. So I'm like, yeah. man, you that, know, that's, like, that's what happens in the playoffs. And that I was very adamant about that. I was like, who is going to guard these guys for 40 minutes a night? Who's going to do it? You, you know, Sacramento doesn't have those guys outside of Fox and Sabonis, um, who, you know, Sabonis is a really good player. But I don't think Sabonis is on the level of an Anthony Davis. I don't think he's on the level of a Jokic. And, you know, uh, that was kind of my thing. It was like, well, you know, we, we're going to end up facing guys who are uh, Hall of Famers and, you know, go down as top five at their position possibly of all time. And, um, you know, it, it, it stand, the take stands true even now when Sacramento's out of the playoffs with this Golden State Lakers, uh, Lakers series. Uh, let's see. What do I want to, what do I want to say? A couple things I want to say, like, okay, let's do this. So I want to, I didn't get to say this cause you, you got to say it. Um, going to the playoffs. I remember I was, I was with you. Like, you know, you, you, Sacramento was the target from everyone in the West. People were like open about it, how they wanted to play Sacramento due to the inexperience. I think that the Kings really, they did a, just doing a good job against the Warriors um, they kind of bucked back and established themselves and particularly Darren Fox. And that's something that I'm really excited about because you and I have just been the biggest Darren Fox hype man for years, even through all the Halliburton stuff, you, you and I were right there, uh, in the line of fire. Surprisingly, I don't ever, I never understood why we were in the line of fire about it, but what we were, and then even on a national scale, I've always felt like that Darren Fox is could be a better player than John Morant and John Morant got kind of anointed earlier because he dunks a lot. That was always my take. And he's, he's his team had more success. So um, I, going into the playoffs, I, I knew that it was going to be unlikely the Kings were going to advance or advance very far. But I remember telling you on an episode, probably in mid March that what would be really a really great thing is if Darren Fox showed out and and the and it went six games and he averaged 30 35 points a game and got the recognition and i think that fucking happened like that happened and i it didn't i it, it it's not that i like it for sure happened like everybody knows it fucking happened and he got the clutch player award he's getting the recognition like that's really good for kingsland too dude that's good for the kings it's good for the fans part of getting the stink off of you know it is is shit like this you know you can build on it um i you know and also i'd like to say this too ryan is that a couple of years ago when everyone wanted the kings to tank you and i remember were very adamant about honestly i would mortgage a lot of the short-term future to get a player just if that meant the kings get into the playoffs you know i the kings just need to get in and so the whole atmosphere surrounding the series and the fact that they did get in uh 
kind of proved our point because a lot of people's counters to us was like, so you just want to get in just to lose. And I'm like, you know, part of it is like the people say, I'd rather I'm people, legit people who do like media actually told me I would rather just tank and get a top five pick than get into the playoffs and lose. And that was like an actual thing. And I think that was easy to say when you're used to sucking and, and you're used to just being in that position. Um, but now that it actually happened and De'Aaron Fox went off and proved the Talburton trade right and all the tankers wrong and that he got the national recognition, I think I feel kind of validated in a lot of areas. So I'm happy about that at least. Well, you know, 100% right. Those All those people, I think, looking back now um, deep in their hearts, they'll never admit it, but they know that we were fucking right on that part. Um, our whole take on that, though, it wasn't about just... We just want to see a playoff game. That wasn't it. It was always about get the fucking stink off the franchise. Get the stink off the franchise. Because as if, you know, for you people who pay attention in Kingsland and pay attention to the media and stuff, how many t- how many players have Sacramento been linked to already and it's not in the offseason? You know, I've seen Chris Middleton thrown around. I've seen Jalen Brown thrown around. You know, um, you know, Eric's big on DeRozan and I've seen some Zach Levine stuff and it's, that's what happens when you get to the playoffs. You start getting involved in the, oh, well, if they got this player, you know, and their their name starts getting, you know, you get some recognition from the national media when it comes to, well, maybe this player could could be the missing link in Sacramento. When you're losing, you're not getting that. And your only hope is to draft well. And as you guys know, Sacramento is the worst drafting team. Not now. I'd say that money, big balls, McNair has taken over. But... Last they 20 the, years, last 20 worst. years, last 20 years, eh, maybe Minnesota, uh, was ho- they were horrible. They were horrible, and their only hope was to build through the draft. When you win, with winning comes recognition. With recognition comes, like I said, hey, this player's linked to this team. That could be the missing link, and that's the difference. It wasn't about us. Just We just want to see a playoff game. That wasn't it. I was just always about, you got to get the fucking stink off the franchise. You got to get that losing. When people hear Sacramento Kings, it was, shithole why the fuck would i go there basketball purgatory dude like what the hell guys go there to end their careers Ron butler you know what i mean like vince carter vince carter guys go samuel downbear yes guys go samuel downbear guys go there to end their careers because they're hanging on they're just hanging on oh sacramento's gonna pay me a little bit and i'm gonna get minutes you know you had to get away from that you had to get the stink off the franchise and they did it they did it and uh you know, for all you people who hated on that, search deep in your hearts, and you guys know that we're fucking right. Yeah, and I, I would much rather lose in seven games to Golden State in the first round of playoffs than, you know, win twenty eight games any day. Well, it's crazy, man. A year, a year, and about three months ago, there was a real, real. It was a majority opinion that the Kings should tank their franchise, hand it to Hal Burton, and rebuild. Yep. And most, most people, if polled, would have said that. And here we are a year and a three months later, and they didn't. They got in the playoffs. De'Aaron Fox balled out. Like, they, they actually, you know, the, the shit I made fun of about the future is bright people. The eh, future actually is bright right now. because, And I like what you're saying, too. We'll see what happens this offseason. People always said, well, no one ever wants to sign with Sacramento. You know what, though? You, you know, Ryan, the Milwaukee Bucks were terrible for long periods of our life. Yet, they, got, they started winning, and, and look what happens. They get these random players. I mean... Look at the 76ers, dude. They were they were 
uh, as bad as as bad gets. I mean, they tanked low, low, low. Just all, if you look at any team, it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, like players are going to go to good teams. That's just what happens. The Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, I, I know it's LeBron James. It, it took LeBron James to turn that shit around, but that type of stuff happens, man. And so you can never do that. You know, but now the unless you win, and now that the Kings have a have a superstar, they have all star players, the recognition, the excitement, the the uh, national publicity around the playoff series. I I think that that uh, you know it, it's 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 the best position they've been in. Obviously, we don't even need to say that, but the off season is going to be very exciting because of what's uh, because of what happened, right? Hundred percent, man. I mean. God, I, I, you know, all those tanking people, how bad of a take was that? That is as bad as it gets, man. Like you said, a year and three months ago, it was trade Fox, trade him. Let's turn it over to Halliburton. Let's suck for another 10 years. You know, and that's not saying Halliburton's not a good player, but going backwards is never the option. You have to progress. You have to progress until you hit a position of, hey, we've maximized the potential of this roster. And I think that's what people failed to see is, they didn't understand how truly good De'Aaron Fox was, right? Like, I, I don't know how, if you watch Kings basketball, I don't know how you didn't see how talented he was. Um, but me and you, you know, we give our, ourselves credit every once in a while in here. And, um, you know, three years ago, we were saying De'Aaron Fox is a goddamn superstar. And uh, it came to fruition. So it's going to be an interesting offseason, man. Names are going to get linked for the first time in a long time to Sacramento. Um, they are you know, their trajectory is upwards. Um, you know, I think for the first time and, you know, as long as I can remember, the uh, over-under is going to be above 40 games that I get to bet on <laughs> from Vegas, you know, here in a few months. So um, it, things are looking looking good, man. I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah, well, we, the, we definitely will be back. We're definitely coming on. We definitely won't take a long break like this, so. Um, I can't wait to get for the, for the off season as always. So, Hey guys, we appreciate you listening. If you ever want to interact and be a part of the show, you can always do so by tagging us. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Kings cast, Eric and Kings cast, Ryan. Uh, we're active on our group Kingsland. Join that. Check it out. If you're looking for people to talk to in the off season, number one group on Facebook. If you want to support the show, please slide down on Apple podcasts or slide up on Spotify and leave us a five-star review. It does help us in the algorithm to reach more Kings fans just like you. And as always, check us out on the Believe Podcast Network where we are, the Sacramento Kings signature show. So with that, for Ryan, this is Eric. Go Kings. Kings. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.